This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to another week. Kick it off here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson along with the CTO, Michael Remus, back at the WST Command Center. And hope you had a great weekend. The weather was gorgeous. We're trending in the right direction. And oh, we got some great news today from the CFL Board of Governors, which we'll get to in just a minute. Um, we will be discussing the upcoming CFL season with Dave Naylor, who was uh, all over this story. Dave Naylor is going to join us a little later on in the program. And our old pal Brandon Rewicki, now of the Skates and Plates podcast, will come on. We'll sort of wrap Jet season, get his thoughts on uh, the Habs series, and most importantly, look ahead to the offseason for the Winnipeg Jets as well as get his take on what we're seeing in the final four, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Habs and Vegas get going tonight in game number one after the Islanders' big upset win in game number one yesterday. And, of course, it is U.S. Open week, one of the best majors of the year on the golf scene. We'll certainly get Brandon's thoughts on that. And tomorrow, for those of you that are stressing over your picks for the pool in this week before they tee off on Thursday at Torrey Pines. Mark Zacchino coming on tomorrow. Always love talking to the Z-Man. So it's going to be a great way to kick off the week. Kevin O coming on tomorrow. Jim Toth a little later on this week. So it is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, Welcome to everyone up early getting with us right out of the gate on Monday afternoon. Sandy, Tracy, Leslie. What's up, waiters? Schickster's here as well. Ticona Polly, great to see you. Behan, Jeff Dirks, and Robert Paul. Great to see everyone. And for those of us, uh, those of you listening on the podcast, thanks so much for doing it. Uh, do us a favor if you can, when you have a minute, get in there on your Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a little bit of a review would be uh, greatly appreciated from us as we continue to try to uh, grow the channel. And I guess if anyone is here new, uh, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ, Not not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Country Club, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, back live racing tonight. We've got some picks a little bit later on to do before the end of the program. Coolbet Canada and PolicyMe.com. We'll let you know about those companies supporting us throughout the program. Right now, though, let's bring in Michael Remus to kick off another week. Remo, how was the weekend, buddy? It was a hot one, man. Uh, real hot. Um, stay hydrated. Uh, played outside. You know, got my gathering, outdoor gatherings in within the allowed legal limit. Got to, had to make sure I get those in. Um, and of course, you know, stay tuned to what we had the after a little afternoon hockey yesterday. Um, you know, did some administrative stuff for uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk here. What a great week we had last week recapping the Jet season. If you missed any of that. I don't think it's going to expire. It is on our YouTube page and the podcast. But uh, yeah, we spent a lot of it outside. So uh, how how about you, Huss? Yeah, well, I did the same. Um, I did get outside. And again, there's nowhere really to go. But um, actually, this is somewhat of a funny story. So I I, I moved from my old spot and I'm in one of these buildings um, on uh, on Wellington near the river. So often kind of I'll just go down to uh, one of the docks and hang out have a couple of beers or whatever and just kill time like so many other people are right now without being able to get together a little bit different with you know the public gatherings or whatever with five people anyways I was just sitting there with a buddy on the weekend and we all know that the river is disgusting 
um, you know, there's tons of people on the river. Very rarely do you see people in the river. And there are these, I got to give these credit. There's like these four teenage dudes that are often fishing at one of the adjacent docks. And they're just hanging out there like so many other kids, probably with nothing to do fishing. And over the last couple of weeks, they've gotten bolder and bolder jumping into the river and you sort of laugh, make sure that, what? you know, yeah. So they've been jumping in, get this. So Friday night, it's, it wasn't that nice. It was like only 17 or 18 degrees outside. And these four guys are there. And then four young girls come by. They're obviously friends and they're hanging out. And one of the guys jimmies up what is looks like a ski rope to a tree. And we're like kind of half paying attention. All of a sudden I look over and these kids are using the ski rope to hang from a tree, go in, and a kid did a double backflip into the river. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I still question the sanity of jumping in that river, um, but they're back at it doing it again day after day. So uh, shout out to them for figuring out, you know, I think a lot of kids probably have spent all their time inside at computers that I know they may have been by the time the four girls got there. They might have been technically outside the rules but I will tell you, for um, it, it was quite an episode. And then even the girls got into it, Reem. Like, they were jumping in, too. So, I don't know. I think I've seen it all now with people enjoying the uh, the beautiful Assiniboine River here in Winnipeg. Lots of people in kayaks, boats, canoes yesterday. But now we've wow. got jimmied rope jumping into the river. Count me. Uh, that's one of the things I'd never seen before. But good for them. I'm in for rope jumping. I don't. I would don't think I would go in the river. But you know, if you want to go, do that. Good for them. But I've I've never swam in either of the rivers here. I thought you were going to be talking about the number one story in Winnipeg this weekend: the eight foot long snake on Ebby Avenue. You get well, have any snake I, encounters? I, I I didn't, but uh, I did make a trip uh, over to uh, the beer store to uh, grab a little. Uh, restocking of the 1919 supply and i went right by ebby on the 600 block and i was wondering if an eight foot venomous snake would be uh would be popping out it is crazy that 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 we have not seen that at like as far as i can tell the snake is still at large right yeah i don't think it's venomous but it is the and someone saw it. They said it wasn't eight feet. It was only five feet, which I think it's still a pretty long snake. But I wasn't taking my son uh, for walks in that area. It is kind of, you know, I am around there sometimes. So I'm staying away. I don't know how you don't find it, but I saw they interviewed, a, you know, an expert who's like, ah, he's probably hiding. You know, it's pretty hot out. You might see him basking in the sun later. So whoa, any snake whoa, whoa. updates we're here for. Well, we have one. Brown-eyed girl, MJD said, my friend's neighbor had the snake crawl down the outside of his house. <laughs> so, yeah. Listen, uh, any any white, massive, eight-foot snake updates, we're here for those as well. It is one of the big stories uh, around. Now, listen, we've got to get to the playoffs from the weekend. Big weekend for the Jays, smashing homers like no one else. The Euro going on. But, Remo, the huge story today, and it's just broken in the last hour or so, and I think everyone is fired up. We have a big, fat green light on the Canadian Football League season to kick off on August 5th. Everything was done. They needed the vote today. It voted, I believe, unanimously passed. And we will have a 14-game CFL season kicking off on the 5th of August. And CFL 
Commissioner Randy Ambrosi very simply put out a release. Two words. We're back. And uh, yes, considering what this league has been through, fans, players, everybody involved, this was the news that we had to hear. Uh, and we have heard it. And now it is all systems go. Um, I did see a, a tweet and a t- I texted our good friend Darren Cameron over the Bombers. And, you know, listen, I don't think they wanted to say anything until this was done. But once it's done, you could just feel the sense of relief from everyone that has been waiting and working towards this moment today. And I do, I want to give a lot of credit to Randy Ambrosi and the PA. I mean, they got everything done beforehand. This was, I don't want to say a formality because there was concern that maybe there was a team or two that wasn't in a financial situation or didn't have the wherewithal or the commitment to go ahead for the season. Um, but all of the excuses were put out the window. If this didn't go through today, it was squarely on ownership of whichever teams that didn't come to fruition. And now, Reem, uh, we can start counting down the days to Blue Bomber training camp to kick off. And hopefully, fingers crossed that, you know, the what was it? The four, three, two, one great summer reopening plan uh, is followed and we can hit those thresholds because the way I read it, if we get to that second threshold by August long weekend, that means we could have 50% in the building and the following month, Labor Day, which of course would be the Labor Day Classic, then the following week, presumably the Banjo Bowl, though we will see what the schedule looks like when it's released tomorrow. Um, we could be at 100% capacity. I mean, the Banjo Bowl theoretically could be the Grey Cup celebration. And wouldn't that be a great time to fill the stadium officially raise a banner or do whatever they do for winning that 2019 great cup. And you could possibly have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their fans there in person to witness it. Sign me up for that. I'm so fired up. Yeah, we're, we're close. We're going to have uh, the bombers defending their great cup championship. Now maybe the longest, not the longest there have been back-to-back champions before, but still two years going, we can <laughs> say Greg, they can still, Take advantage of all uh, that merch that they have at the Bomber store saying Grey Cup Champion. They're still defending it. Um, so I can't wait for it to get started. We're going to have a ton of previews here. We're looking forward to the season. I'm looking forward to fantasy. You know, Cool Bet will be doing Bombers and CFL Cool Bet lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be awesome, I think. So uh, this is so so great. And just, you know, get, you know you're going to have gatherings and we'll be able to go to the stadium. Count. We should just have a permanent countdown on the screen to the start of the CFL season. It's funny you say that, dude, because I literally, before we went on, I didn't have enough time. And I'm like, I wonder how many exactly how many days this is until we get through it. Listen, it's not that long. I mean, we're in the middle of June right now. A couple of weeks, it's going to be Canada Day long weekend. I mean, training camps will be get going. These teams will be preparing. No exhibition games, but we will get a 14-game season. I do you believe the Grey Cup planned uh, in early December? Um, so yeah, it'll be a little bit colder this year, but the bottom line is I don't think anyone cares what the temperature is. They just want these teams to be back on the field, give us an opportunity to get out to the park, see each other, cheer on the team, hit the rum hot, do all the fun things that go as part of the bomber game night. Um, and and incredibly important too, outside of, you know, what the fans want. Um, there's so many jobs that (laughs) are, are dependent on, this league um so anyways overall just phenomenal news that the canadian football league is going ahead we'll find out a little bit more about what this means short term what the plans for the league are whether there was any hiccups how they got to this point 
with Dave Naylor, who's going to join us a little bit later on in the program. Um, Remo, I know we're going to get to this with Rewiki when he joins us in just a couple minutes. How about the New York Islanders? I mean, they just keep doing it. They keep getting it done. And here we have Barry Trotz and his club now stealing home ice in game number one, a 2-1 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday. And I got to tell you, you know, we hear a lot of, you know, individual stats from games. I don't think I've heard a more stunning stat from a single game than the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday had exactly zero chances on the rush. Rush chances, nine for the Islanders, zero for the Lightning. And as far as I can tell, that is Barry Trotz pretty much pitching a perfect game when it comes to what the New York Islanders are throwing at you from an offensive standpoint. Just an incredible start to the series for the Islanders. But you know what? We shouldn't be surprised. They keep doing this. We've seen it before. No one should be surprised that they're as competitive as they are, even against Tampa. Yeah, they've been doing it all season. You know, Matt Barzell, he's kind of emerged as uh, the guy who took John Tavares. But they have, you know, they don't really have like a, a elite defenseman like a you know but their all their whole unit is solid uh you know they made those acquisitions Palmieri Zajac just solidified it everyone's bought in they're getting good goaltending it doesn't matter who is in the net for them and of course Barry Trotz behind the bench I can't keep help but thinking Huss like how Washington let this guy go and how you know they haven't won a series and the Islanders are among the winningest teams in the playoffs over the last couple of years. Um, the Islanders, you know, we had said, uh, I think it was a Friday, that you know these guys are actually like pretty decent odds here. And I know people are hopping on them to win the cup. Um, what a good, you know, if it's Islanders versus Vegas in the final, a lot of Manitoba connections on both of those teams. Oh. So uh, it's you know, if you need to find someone to cheer for, I don't know. I get, I know there are a lot of Canadians fans here, but Vegas. Um, had a ton. I think someone commented to me, like, who would have thought Lawless would get a ring before uh, Blake Wheeler or someone like that? <laughs> it is but, wild. Uh, and Gary, of course, had his great cup ring that he used to, like, you know, flaunt around to, to everyone, especially yeah. Westy. Especially Westy, back in the <laughs> old spot. <laughs> now we may have to get a damn Stanley Cup ring, too. It is uh, it is unbelievable. Hey, uh, some great stuff in the chat. Hit us with a, a like, if you would. And uh, Oh, Larry Bong. Listen to Huss on Fan 916 Calgary last Friday. Steinberg, the hardest working man in sports radio. I could not agree more. Anyone that's familiar with 960 will know Pat, who I do the shows with on Friday. He is, he's on from two till six. And then when the flames are on, he's then on from six until like 12 or one in the morning. I've never met anyone like it. Um, very, very fun to do the show. So if you haven't checked it out, I'll remind you. But uh, Fridays for the time being, and a few other days, I'll be jumping on to doing some work over there on um, on 960. Don Zappia, we can finally defend our championship. Go blue. Mike Wingo Bombers, and of course, let's get the Bisons on the field too. Yes, I do know a hot rookie I'm looking forward to seeing, a uh, former Harry Hood winner, as a matter of fact. That's Mike's son, Zachary, had a great career at St. Paul's. Um, so yeah, great to see everyone here. Uh, we, As I said, we are going to have uh, Brandon Rewicki join us, and I've got lots to talk with Brandy. Brandon. I'm especially geeked for the U.S. Open. By the way, if you're a DraftKings player with us, I did make a contest in the Winnipeg Sports Talk League. We can't really send out the invites. I'll probably do a Twitter link, but 
If you're one of our regulars right now, just go in, go into the league and see open contests. It'll be there. You should be good. All right. Listen, before we get Brandon in here, I want to uh, uh, quickly talk about a few of our wonderful sponsors, including policyme.com. Policyme is our newest one and very interesting company. This is a, a group, a Canadian company put together to give you the best options on life insurance as simply as affordably and as easy as possible. They policy me has simplified all the unnecessary bells and whistles in the traditional life insurance process, resulting in a fully underwritten term life policy that's fast, easy, and affordable. Listen, life insurance is probably the least sexy purchase you'll ever make. It's like the financial equivalent of going to the dentist, but you have to go to the dentist. And if you have um, you know, people that depend on you, if you have investments, if you have a home, you need to be protected if something does happen to you. And policy me makes it fast, easy, and affordable. Affordable rates usually 10 to 20% better than most rates in Canada. An instant decision to find out if you're covered instantly. And it's all done online in about 15 minutes. It's an easy, straightforward process. It doesn't get any easier than that. You don't have any long, boring meetings. It's not awkward. You can simply go in. First of all, they'll tell you if you even need it. 24% of people, they say, actually, in your situation, you probably don't need it right now. That's the honesty you want. Um, but most importantly, get it at a great rate. Do it easy. Do it fast. And you can do it with Policy Me. Go to policyme.com. Take you about 15 minutes. You fill out a few questions. You'll find out the information you need and you can get after it. And when you're at policyme.com and they say, where did you find out about us? Please make sure you hit podcast. I uh, also want to shout out to Royal Sports. Man, we will talk a little Euro later on. Uh, if you've ever been to Royal Sports, they have an absolutely incredible soccer section. Not only cleats, balls, everything you need to play, but the sweetest jerseys and kits from around the world, both international teams like for the Euro, as well as the club teams. Um, in addition, all the NHL gear, NFL, NBA merchandise, not to mention um, the skate and streetwear side of things, maybe the coolest store in the city. Uh, and while you're there, you can check out the bikes, the fitness section, um, disc golf, everything you want to take care of what you're doing outside. When, by the way, on the King's Skate, Snow, and Surf side, you can check out that Vaxxed and Waxed promo. Um, nice to see they're uh, cranking out some things to support everyone getting their shots. And I do got to give a shout-out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Had a number of people fire us tweets on the weekend, including, I think, our pal Dallas Pauls, who picked up Jets Cakes from Nick and Nikki on the weekend. That's great to see. Nick and Nikki are at... DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. We thank them for their support and make sure to pop by. It is certainly blizzard season. Try the drumstick one, or if you've been missing the Kit Kat blizzard, I have confirmed from Nick. It is, in fact, back. Um, Remo, have you uh, have you been uh, getting into the blizzards at all lately? What's, what's your go-to right now? Have you had the drumstick one yet? I haven't had a blizzard in a while. Um... When we first started this, here, I'll bring myself back in. When we first started this, Nick dropped off like a summer's worth of like dilly bars, the uh, dairy free dilly bar, ice cream sandwiches. Uh, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's my wife's birthday. I need a treats of pizza, which are great, um, which are awesome. And I, I have like enough for the summer. So uh, you can also, you don't have to go to DQS. You can buy it and take it home, which is. Uh, great as well. So I'm yeah. I am set. I discovered the Buster Bar 
through that delivery from Nick. And I was always familiar with the peanut buster parfait. I didn't know they turned it into essentially an ice cream novelty. Highly recommended dilly bars and all that. I don't have that. The, um, yeah, you, you definitely got to get, uh, got to get, uh, get it in on that. Um, so anyways, thanks to Nick and Nikki and uh, their great support of the program. Um, so we've got the Islanders up one, nothing on the Tampa Bay lightning. And as you mentioned, Reem, we're going in tonight and dropping the puck on game number one. What'd you say? It's eight o'clock central for us here. I'm, I'm loving the start times of the series. It's perfect. I love the West coast. You know, eight o'clock's great. It's, you know, not too early. But it's late enough that uh, you know life can you know, we can watch our show and be like, hey, I'm gonna put on this uh, this hockey and uh, Vegas, Montreal. No one really giving Montreal any chance. I disagree. I think they'll win maybe a couple, but I, I would think expect they might Vegas win to tonight. win tonight. I like listen. I think Vegas <laughs> is gonna probably win in like six. But I, I'm I think Montreal can win this game tonight. I, I just think that you know the way that Colorado series went. I think there's naturally the potential for a little bit of a lull from the Vegas Golden Knights, although they'll have a great crowd. People will be fired up, ready to go. But the thing is, we've learned a lot about the Montreal Canadiens. And I mean, since that team was down 3-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs, they've been an absolute buzzsaw. Um, And now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, have they even trailed? They didn't trail at all in the Winnipeg series. And I'm not sure if they trailed in the last... (laughs) three games of the Leafs series either. <laughs> it's absolutely you mean you insane. Weren't, you weren't watching the counter during the Jets game where they showed the last time that they trailed? I think it's been a while. So I think Montreal gave their defense credit. Uh, Edmondson, Sherratt, Weber, uh, Petrie. I know Petrie like, he dislocated his finger or something, but I think he should be good to go. We'll see uh, if he's you know shooting or what. Um, you know he's pretty good on the power play. But those four guys have really stepped up. I mean, you have the you know the veteran fourth line of Montreal. I think everyone's getting behind Eric Stahl, great acquisition. Uh, Corey Perry, nobody. It's amazing how nobody wanted Corey Perry. Uh, you know, in the off season, <laughs> he signs like the men deal with Montreal. You know, he's great in the playoffs last year for Dallas, showing it's not a fluke. Doing it again this year looked like you know 2007 Cup champion Corey Perry in the Jets series. And uh, who could forget Yo- Yoel Armia? Amazing to see uh, former Jets make an impact in the series, him and uh, Ben Sherratt. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, you know, we're going to get to that and much more coming up with our uh, pal Brandon Rewicki. If you haven't already, subscribe and check out the Skates and Plates podcast. Uh, Brandon uh, was doing it, you know, throughout the hockey season with reactions to Jet games, but also kicking around some of uh, the best restaurants in Winnipeg and taking advantage of the opportunity to eat everything that they would make for him. Let's welcome in the man himself, Brandon Rewicki, with us, longtime voice of the big show, and now uh, with Skates and Plates. What's going on, B? How are you? Now I'm doing okay, man. Happy to be back on. Just uh, dealt with a 60-second uh, um, scream cry session with a little one. And also Who was doing like- that? Was the baby doing the screaming and crying, or was that dad? Oh, it was tandem. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she started. I finished, and um, also found out too that uh, both both uh, dad and the dog are going to be on diets uh, pretty shortly here. Uh, ah, I see. It, it, because... it appears as if he's failed his physical. So <laughs> now is that because of um, too much good stuff being presented to you while doing skates and plates? I mean, has this backfired on you now? Uh, despite <laughs> all the pictures I've seen, the foods looked amazing. Yeah. How's everything going with that? 
Oh, it's yeah, it's been great. Uh, just spoke with Hudson Bagels uh, last week, actually. And that, that was a super fun one. I know a number of Winnipeg Jets stopped by uh, Hudson Bagels and then grabbed some of their, I mean, whether you like the sandwiches or just the bagels themselves, they're unreal. So it's been awesome. It, it's been awesome. And yeah, he may have had a bagel or two and that's, uh, that's cut out. There, there, it'll be not, not, nothing but greens in the near future for both of us. Hudson, what, that's a new spot over in Wolseley, what, on Sherbrooke? or Mary? Yeah, yeah, where, uh, where Boonberger used to be. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, all right, listen, there's so much I want to get to with you. It is U.S. Open week. We have to save a little bit of time for some hot golf Please. takes going into it. Uh, maybe even Euro, but you know, we may as well start off before we get into the Stanley Cup playoffs with the end of the Winnipeg Jets season. And you know, it's so weird, Brandon. It, the the ebbs and flows of this season were just amazing. And I've made this, you know, comparison a few times on the program that in some ways the playoffs in a lot of ways reflected the regular season. I mean, the first, and we'll call the first two-thirds of the year or so, um, were great. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets were doing a good job of winning the close games. Um, you know, they weren't blowing teams out, but they were winning their fair share. I mean, they were 27 and 14 at one point, and it basically clinched themselves, you know, a playoff spot. The the final month of the season was very concerning for many, many reasons. They did sort of get going a little bit in the final couple games, but then came out and looked like a completely different team against the Edmonton Oilers. And we're back to that team that was playing close games, getting the scoring, getting the goaltending and winning. Um, it wasn't the case against the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, just from your perspective, how surprised were you to see how hard things crashed for the Winnipeg Jets after what they were able to do against a team like Edmonton, which I think by any standard, probably a tougher team to keep off the scoreboard than a team like Montreal. Yeah, completely shocked. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you can be. I mean, I, I expected a hard-fought long series, even though I picked the Jets to ultimately win in six, but I think everybody was kind of on the same board of, you know, the Jets are probably favored here, but it's not like they're overwhelming favorites it's going to be a tight series and you know going the distance maybe is what we all should have expected but my god I mean I I get that you know Mark Shifley's disappearance in the final three games pretty much doomed the Jets from that point but it just it felt to me and I know we're going to talk about the exit interviews and everything like that because the city was just you would would think it was you know 2010 Vancouver all over like it, it sounded like riots were on the way but it just it's I don't know if enough is being put on the fact that no team since expected goals has been tracked, which is just under 15 years right now, has been dominated to the degree that Winnipeg was dominated by Montreal. Like we're talking the most lopsided series. Think of all the great teams in the NHL over the last decade. And then all the poor teams that have squeaked into the playoffs, like all these Massive, massive 1v8 matchups. And nobody has been taken to the woodshed like the Winnipeg Jets have. So it, I, like, how can you not be shocked, right? Because it's one thing if you lost to Montreal, hard fought here, blah, 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 blah. You know what? You can go into the offseason going a bounce here. You know, our number one center doesn't get suspended there. You know, we could be in the final four. And you could kind of talk that away. But to the level that everybody just kind of pushed aside, oh, yeah, we, you know, don't forget we beat Edmonton, but let's just push aside this sweep to Montreal. I just couldn't believe that. I, I'm, I'm blown away. There should have been a lot more angst and anger and disappointment, I thought at least, when it came to the exit interviews at the end of last week. Well, I, I mean, 
I'll ask you this because I've mentioned it a couple times in mid series. I mean, we went into game four and I, I still, and listen, I, the job of a captain is difficult. And sometimes you roll out in front of a microphone and you're angry or you're pissed off and you don't want to do it. And, you know, first of all, credit to a guy like Wheeler, you know, for pretty much always being there. But I'll, I will admit to you, I sent a few texts to friends going like, did I watch a different game? Like when I heard after game two, Blake saying, oh, I really liked our game. And even after game number three, you know, liked a lot of parts of the game. I mean, I, what part did we like? Like, was there, was there, there wasn't much. Uh, like, I still maintain game two of the series, Brandon, might be the worst playoff game I've ever seen in that it was, it, I'm dead serious. It was one nothing. It was a shorthanded goal in the first period. And after that happened, literally nothing happened in the entire game. And, you know, it wasn't that, you know, it was this suit. I mean, yes, it was a close one nothing game, but it was at that moment, I think we really realized the issues that the Winnipeg Jets were going to have with creating any semblance of legitimate, consistent scoring chances against Montreal. And listen, as bad as that was, you know, we'd seen that before. You know, Jets lost the first couple of games against St. Louis in 2019 and got it back together with two big wins on the road. Um incredibly disappointed to see it just essentially go from bad to worse throughout those final three games. There really wasn't much of a pushback. And, you know, I'm sort of with you too. I mean, it was sort of, oh, it's too bad. That's the end of the season. But we didn't really get into how that happened, why it happened, and how they were able to literally do nothing differently throughout that series. And it ended up with, as you said, a very quick, very complete four-game sweep by the Habs over Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I see your game two. I'll raise you a game three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like, hey, we're over the red line. Way to go, everybody! Good well, job. Well, no, right? the reason why I say it was the game two was the worst ever because Montreal stunk too. Fair, I mean, yeah. they didn't do anything. At least in game three and four, you could at least say that. Well, yeah. you know what? Montreal had a few good plays and they did that. Like game two, the most lifeless playoff game I think I've ever seen. I'm going to stand with that and take that to the grave. But yeah, Montreal got a bit better. They started yeah. scoring. They started doing those things and. I mean, game four, I mean, if you want an example of Connor Hellebuck standing on his head, trying to single-handedly drag a team into a fifth game of the series, that was it. Um, but in some ways, it was sort of, it was like mercy for the Jets and their fans, I think, when the Habs scored in that overtime game. Because, I mean, what were you okay. going to expect getting the series back to Winnipeg, considering the way game four went? I mean, it, I, I can't imagine... Say somebody scores, there's a flute goal that goes in and Winnipeg wins that game. I mean, what are the guys saying after that game? Yeah, we're back in the series. I mean, it well, was probably uh, <laughs> it, it was tough. But you know, listen, we can, I mean, I don't want to spend, you know, we spent enough time sort of talking about, yeah, they got pumped. It was bad. Um, but what are the big takeaways for you out of that? Because I mean, I'll be honest, I had a lot of optimism going into that series because a lot of the things that we said that they had to do if they want to expect to win, they did against the Edmonton Oilers. And listen, I get losing Shifley was huge, and I think we really saw live and in color just how important Dylan DeMello was in his absence. Um, but what are the takeaways from that series, Brandon, for, for you uh, because you're right. I mean, we can't just ignore the way things happen uh, because I think if you do, you just will repeat those same mistakes going forward. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. It's, I think it would be totally understandable. And I think a lot of Jets fans would be okay with the loss, even if it was in four games. If Shifley goes out, 
and you lose a couple, one nothing, two one, but super hard fought battles. There's not a lot of ice out there, but the Jets battled their asses off. You know what I mean? I think people would have been okay with that because it, they look. Everybody knows that you take any team's number one center out of the lineup, scoring is going to be at a premium, especially when your next best offensive player is dealing with not an upper or a lower body injury, but a body injury because Nikolai Ehlers had everything broken. It sounded like <laughs> by the time four games against Montreal came to an end, but all the good things, the adherence to structure, the back pressure from the forward, the working as a five man unit, all the little things that are kind of mandatory to be a difficult team to eliminate in the playoffs, it just went away. At the, at the drop of a hat, it just went completely away for, for no for no real reason either, right? Like That should be kind of the baseline of what you get out of a team from playoff time. And it was that, like you said earlier, the reversion to that seven, eight-game losing streak, the way they played through large chunks of the regular season. And I, I, I just don't have a good answer for you. It's, it's unacceptable. It should be unacceptable. And that should be the major focus in terms of changing things going into next season. Um, Didn't sound like that was the case at the end of the exit interviews, but I mean, that's another thing. But what what stood out to me, at least from a player personnel standpoint, and this isn't necessarily an earth shattering revelation, but this team just needs a major, major injection of skill on the blue line. They, They just have, they had nothing. They had nothing. They could not break the puck out against Montreal if their lives depended on it. And thank God they didn't beat the Canadians because it would have been even worse against Vegas in the Final Four series because they're an even more tenacious four-checking team. So, look, I get I get the size argument on defense, and I don't necessarily discount that either. But to me, the biggest focus is how do we inject guys that can move the puck? Because the, with all the faults on this team, there is still a real impressive group of forwards up front. And to me, the number one goal should be how do we get them to puck the quickest and transition from defense to offense? That, like, if it's big guys, great. If it's smaller, you know, go the avalanche style of, of a blue line. I'm cool with that too. But you gotta, you gotta find at least two, maybe three or four guys that come in next year and do a really good job of getting the puck out of Winnipeg's end. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and listen, we heard that from, I mean, there was essentially an admission and, and you have to be careful. I mean, whether you're a player or a coach or a general manager, I mean, the guys that have been on your blue line have been doing their best. They've been working their butts off. And you don't want to completely bury these guys. And, you know, no one should expect that to happen. But it was pretty clear about what the organizational priority was going in. Um, and this is why I think this has sort of been a tough year for Shevel Dayoff. I mean, I still have a lot of faith that he's done, you know, and he's. Listen, the job of being a GM in Winnipeg is different than being the GM of the New York Rangers. And, you know, you need to consider some of those challenges. But uh, I, I will say this. Um, listen, the Line A Dubois trade will jury still out on that. It hasn't really worked out for either club right now. But if there's one takeaway, knowing what we know about this club, if they did believe that this team had a chance of, you know, of legitimately contending, if they did get that defenseman made and, and I get not wanting to give up Hanel or Sandberg and you do have to kind of set, this is what we're willing to do. Um, and this is what we're not willing to do. And maybe that was the reason why nothing happened uh, at the end, but maybe being a little bit aggressive, a little earlier, Brandon, as opposed to, you know, taking your chances, waiting until that final hour before 2 PM on trade deadline day 
might have been more prudent. And you wonder whether that, you know, sort of the way Sheveldayoff seemingly did get burned a little bit and, you know, what he said after it might change the way they um, go into those challenges in future years. Because he certainly had the courage to go for I mean, if they think that they can win, they've gone for it. We saw Stastny. We saw Kevin Hayes. Maybe they didn't feel that this team was a true Stanley Cup contender and didn't want to, you know, make those those sort of moves that would cost them, you know, with a top prospect. Only Sheveldayoff will be able to determine that. But I will say that, you know, just the way it turned out for Winnipeg, um, you could say it was a missed opportunity at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline to get something that would it would put it in. But honestly, when we saw Dylan DeMello go out, I mean, is one defenseman going to quickly turn that series around? I doubt it. And that's why when we hear all the people like, well, why didn't we get Vili Hainala in? Um, almost an unfair situation to put a player like that in down 3-1, 3 nothing in the series and expect that a rookie defenseman is going to make all the difference. But there definitely, I think, has been some major lessons learned, both about the personnel, what they need going forward, and how, from a general manager's perspective, um, you know, he'll need to address that both in the offseason and potentially during next year. Yeah, so for me, the mistake was not playing Vili Hainala in games three or four against Montreal. It was Vili Hainala spending three months on the taxi squad, not getting any games in, right? If he, if he plays, I don't know, a dozen games during that time, you not think a you know what you, you have a better sense of what he's going to be like that season and then b you know when you run into some injuries in the playoffs okay maybe he is ready or he isn't ready one way or the other though we finally have an answer on this so there needs to be I think too and you know Kevin Chevalier of course didn't divulge a whole bunch about this during his press conference but I I do think there was a bit of a divide in terms of you know Chevy maybe wanting some of the youngsters to get more playing time during the regular season. We all know Paul Maurice trusts his vets more. Yeah, that's just how he is. That's how most coaches are, actually, not just Paul Maurice. But we've just seen that time and time again that, you know, if it's a tie, tie goes to the older player. So I think there needs to be a better understanding between the two on, you know, where players like Hainala and Sandberg and the likes of those are going to be going into the season. And, and if you want veteran guys, then I'm, I'm fine with going out there and, and grabbing somebody because they need to anyway. Right. Because, I mean, worst case scenario, you get a, I mean, name your top four, top pair defenseman. You have him and if Hainala or Stanley or Sandberg are ready to go in the top four, well, then you're set. Then at that point, you become staff on defense. Right. But it just felt like they were kind of in between two, two different minds. Right. Where, you know, it sounded like Chevy wanted to give the youngsters a chance, but Paul Maurice wasn't willing to do that. And I think once it got into the postseason, it screwed them a little bit because you don't really have an option at that point because Billy Hanela had played, I think, two games in the span of, of two to three months. So that, that's going to be the big thing, I think, to, to focus on in terms of the youngsters next season. Obviously, I think we all know there's going to have to be at least one quote-unquote big name brought in on the blue line. Yeah, and, and you know, just on that, as far as Hanela goes, I mean, listen, I had said on this program a few times heading into game four of that series that, Guys, you know, if we haven't seen Vili Hainala yet with what we've seen, you know, even before game three, um, I don't think we're going to see him. And I mean, I took that as an organizational decision because he was two games away from having his contract um, kick in and in account for a year. And I do think, especially in a city like Winnipeg, you know, having that ELC slide can be very important going forward. Now, 
maybe the contract costs you more at the end of that third year because he's played significant minutes in all three years that the contract counted. Um, but Cheval Dale is pretty clear. And again, I don't know if we can believe every single thing coaches or GMs say to the public. I'd say I'd be somewhat skeptical that it was all there, but he was very clear and unequivocal uh, equivocal that this was not an issue. Everyone knew that it was the green light. And if that's the case, if we take that as face value, then I think you're exactly right. Then, you know, essentially you have a young player that, you know, the coach just did not believe was ready for prime time, was ready for the physicality of the playoffs and all those things that go it. And, um, you know, his team was better off and had a better chance to win with him not in the lineup and with a guy like Jordy Ben in. I think most fans would probably disagree with that, and a lot of people would. But um, based on what we know and what we heard, Brandon, I don't think, I mean, I'm sort of with you. I mean, I think that is, that's what essentially what we've been told, and that was the case. And yeah. you know, it has been funny, I guess, Billy's hilarious Insta post with all <laughs> of his pictures and then him sitting and down. I believe that's been removed. So uh, I'm not sure whether there was a little bit of a wrist slap there or uh, the agent said, hey, we might want to tone this down. But uh, well, hey, if he was on the PGA, he'd be in the running for that 40 schmill uh, <laughs> that they've got going on there. But that, that's, I, I thought it was great. I, I, You know, it's a shame if somebody told him to take it down. It was harmless. I just thought it was funny. It was. Yeah. But like just, just to touch on what you said there, and when fans get all upset about stuff like that, it, it, to me, I know you understand this because you're a, a college-educated uh, uh, fellow like myself. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Big, tall forehead. Yeah. Big thinker. <laughs> but Occam's razor, right? Usually the simp- simplest solution is is the answer to the question. And Paul Maurice just didn't think Billy Hanela was his best chance at winning hockey game. Like, it was that simple. He thought he could help him win. He would have played him. And now people can disagree with it all they want, but that's why Jordy Ben went in over Billy Hanela. And I don't know how well that necessarily bodes for for Billy in terms of grabbing a full-time spot next season. I'm okay if he starts with the Moose, but it's just obvious that I think this was kind of a borderline wasted year for him because he needs to be playing 20-plus minutes a night either in the AHL or in Finland or at least getting, you know, 15, 16 minutes a night at the NHL level. Yeah, Brandon Rickey with us. Uh, check out his podcast, Skates and Plates, talking Jets, talking NHL, talking food, and uh, much more fun stuff. You can find that at uh, uh, your favorite podcast um, feed. Rewiki, how many Jets played their final game in game number four with Ooh, Winnipeg? I like that question. You know, I mean, like, you know, we're just talking about the free agents. You know, you got on the fourth line, Thompson and Lewis, Matthew Perot. Paul Stastny up front. Andrew Kopp is, of course, a RFA. Mason Appleton potentially could be exposed in the expansion draft. And then from the blue line, um, you know, you've got four defensemen that would all be in the mix to be protected. One of those, unless a deal's done, has to be exposed. Um, And then some other free agents. Uh, We could see, I would imagine, some pretty significant turnover and you know, I don't know, after the way they played against Edmonton, you would think maybe a bunch of those guys would be back. But I don't think there is a single player that really made a great case in the Montreal season that they have to be back with this Winnipeg Jets team next season if they don't already have a contract. Agreed. But I'm okay with Paul Stasny coming back. I, I've been the unofficial president of the Paul Stasny fan club. Uh, I like. I imagine that's a one-year deal and then... What yeah. the what the cat like? I don't know three four mil from down from six and a half. So so yeah, I I, I do think that the Jets and Paul Stasny 
come to agreement on a one-year deal. Although, you know, with Colorado beckoning as well, maybe he returns to his uh, original team there. But I, I just get a good feeling. I, I think him and Blake Wheeler are good buddies too. So I think Paul Stasny takes another kick at the can here in Winnipeg. Other than that, man, I don't know if any of the free agents come back. Um, Chevy didn't really sound overly enthused about Matthew Perot returning, yeah. and, and maybe that's um, reciprocated on the other side of it too. Uh, so I, I don't imagine him coming back, although he had a hell of a season as kind of a fourth-line, third-line tweener. So you know, I, I understand from a cap perspective letting Matthew Perot go, but they're going to have to find somebody to fill his shoes because he was a really, really effective player this year. I, I do wonder, too, even, when you talk about Cop and Appleton up front, because all the talk has been DeMello, Stanley, who do you keep? Who do you protect? Who do you expose? You know, I honestly wonder if I'm Seattle and if it's, say, Mason Appleton exposed, I'm taking Mason Appleton over those two guys because I don't know how many effective forwards are going to be available, right? So I, I wonder, and this is a decision that Chevy and, and company are going to have to make. Obviously, Andrew Cobb is the more productive player right now. But he's also going to have a higher cap hit, and you have to play that game. I do wonder if we see a potential trade of either one of those two, knowing that you might lose them for nothing anyway. So why not recoup some draft value or maybe use that as a package to get a defenseman? I, I wonder if we see a bit of a, a switch up amongst the forwards this year. And we can't forget either that, you know, Andrew Cobb unfortunately had to go to arbitration with the Jets the previous summer. and overcharge and company don't have the uh, rosiest relationship with Kevin <laughs> Chevel Dayoff. And, you know, I looked this up a little while ago, but I think it was 85% of players that went to arbitration with their team over the past five or so seasons were playing with a different team just a couple years after that. So realistically, it's more likely than not that Andrew Cobb finds a different destination. We'll see if that's, you know, leaving in free agency in a couple years or if maybe the Jets jump the gun a little bit early, try to get some draft picks back and maybe move him so they can protect Mason Appleton. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating, the Jets situation for the expansion draft. I mean, I haven't spent enough time looking at, you know, sort of the projected list from the rest of the league, and that is something that we'll get into over the next few weeks before they have to make their selections. Um, I am still steadfast that Logan Stanley is a Winnipeg Jet next year. Um, but... And listen, I've said before, listen, if you had to expose DeMello, you do it. I'm less uh, like just from what we saw in the Montreal series. And it was weird because it was easy to say all that this year when DeMello was playing on the third pairing for a good period of time. But I think we really saw how important he is to the Winnipeg Jet blue line, at least as it's currently constructed right now when he wasn't there playing with Josh Morrissey in, in that series. Now I still don't think I, I can't imagine a scenario where the Jets just say, you know what? We're fine with Logan, losing Logan Stanley and we leave him available. Um, but I'm also now thinking it's more likely that Dylan DeMello is also in that. I don't think there's any possibility that Morrissey or Pionk are yeah. available. So at that point, if that is the case and that is your big worry, then it probably becomes deal time. Now, you know, maybe there's something to be said for a guy like Cobb who was going to be protected that, you know, they work something out saying, hey, you know what, you can like, you give us something, we'll let you pick Cobb, you've got that guy, and then the other guys are yeah. safe. But 
the more and more you look at this, at, at the way things are on the blue line, but especially with those two key forwards that you mentioned in Cop and Appleton, I have a feeling there'll be some long conversations with Shevel Dayoff and Ron Francis about how they can make something that works for Seattle, because no matter what, it's going to work for Seattle at the end. They're not doing it if it doesn't, but also something that allows Winnipeg to maintain the players that they really feel are, are key. And, Heck, we saw a ton of those deals that Vegas made and pretty much all of them worked out for them in some way yeah. or another. Yeah, I mean, there's two things for me when it comes to the expansion draft. First and foremost, even though you're going to lose somebody that's solid, if I'm the Jets in any team in the NHL, you want to take a player, that's fine. I'm not giving up anything, though. Like, I'm not giving up any asset to protect somebody. Like, sorry, that, that's, how, that's how Vegas has turned into the powerhouse that they are. So, I, like, I'm okay with any GM going, you know what? Take whoever you want. We're not talking compensation or anything like that. So I, I hope that that's the same avenue for Kevin Dayoff. When it comes to the blue line, though, I do wonder, too, if maybe who the Jets target in the offseason as a potential top four guy to come in plays into their expansion concerns. Because if you're, for example, going after a, and I, I don't have a specific name here, but a right-handed defenseman, for example, well, then maybe Dylan DeMello all of a sudden becomes a little more exposable because then your top four is going to be new target, Neil Pionk, and then you would, and Tucker Pullman as your third pair right defenseman. So you're okay on the right side. But if it's a left handed guy that you're talking about, I mean, Morrissey DeMello is a hell of a second pair, in my opinion. I think that might be where they're best suited when it comes down to it. And then you would have a top pair of, you know, mystery guy and Neil Pionk. And then maybe in that situation, Logan Stanley becomes a little bit easier to stomach losing because you still have your top four set. So that, like, there's just so many moving parts here that like, there's an element of, you know, why are we even discussing this? Because there's so many more things to be talked about. And, and once the jets and other teams make moves, then, you know, things are going to change so much in the next month or so. But I, I do wonder if we see Kevin Chevalier off play a little 3d chess here, and maybe he ultimately decides on who's getting exposed once he has a conversation or two with a different team about maybe a potential bigger move down the road. Hey, speaking of a bigger move, there would be no bigger than signing Dougie Hamilton. Um, you know, with it being Winnipeg, I, I, I honestly spend almost no time thinking about the Jets being the big player on the biggest free agent. But it was quite interesting, Brandon, to hear that the Canes have given Dougie Hamilton permission now to sort of talk to other teams in the league, presumably setting up what could be a sign and trade. Um, I mean, I think everyone knows, yeah, Dougie Hamilton would look very nice on the Winnipeg Jet blue line. But for a player like that in this market with the flat cap, like what, what, what's Dougie Hamilton going to get? Like, is he, will he get the Peter Angelo type deal? Yeah, from I somebody think so. That needs it. I mean, I, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue that that won't happen considering what we saw last year. I agree. I, I think he's totally getting that, or at least in that ballpark. I mean, the, the tricky part, though, is that the other team that grabs him then has to relieve a ton of cap space. Can they find a way to make that work? But yeah, like there's no doubt to me that as far as if you were to make kind of a pecking order of defenseman targets, either through free agency or trade this offseason, Dougie Hamilton is at the top of the list. And, you know, I, I guess the first thing is, can we just stop making museum jokes? every time Dougie Hamilton becomes available. Like, I'm sure the dude likes things other in life than just museums. Yeah, but has he ever seen the non-such? 
That's a fair that, point. I mean, this that's that could be point. that could be the closer for us. Doug. All of Winnipeg's oh, Winnipeg. museum game is is up at the top of the list, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think Dougie Hamilton is at the top of the list for me. I I do wonder. I mean, it's a I think it's a great move by Carolina, honestly, to go this route. You're you're kind of fostering a, a solid relationship with the client still, and you know what? Hey, if you go out there and you get more money than we're offering. I mean, you were going to leave anyways, so it doesn't really affect us. And, you know, if all of a sudden you see, hey, maybe the grass isn't greener on the other side, then you come back to Carolina and we sign you for, I don't know, eight by eight, eight by nine, something in, in that range. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just very intrigued. And it's funny, too, because, you know, that unfortunately I'm a Flyers fan and the Flyers are in the exact same spot as the Winnipeg Jets right now. We're there in the search for a top pair, top four defenseman. And so it's the same kind of targets that everybody's looking for. It's Dougie Hamilton as a free agent or a trade guy. It's Seth Jones out of Columbus as a trade candidate, but then a re-sign after that. And then the two Nashville defensemen and Matthias Ekholm, who the Jets were interested in. And then Ryan Ellis as well, who's a name that's been thrown out there in Nashville. So those four are the, the real juicy targets. And I think the ones that you would imagine Winnipeg has to be interested in because they at least move the needle in a big way. I just don't know how viable any of them are, to be honest. Well, you know what's funny that you bring up that Philly comparison is that, you know, both Philly and the Jets have spent some pretty considerable draft capital in the last few years drafting defensemen, young defensemen, with the hopes that they will turn into being those top four defenders. And I mean, you know, we talk about Philly Hanel and Dylan Sandberg. I mean, the hope certainly is that where those guys end up. The trick about it is, is that, okay, how do they get there? Like, where do they play in the meantime? And if you go and spend a big chunk of your cap on a big player that, you know, helps you right now, well, in two years on your six or seven year deal with this guy, are they still in the position that you signed them for? And are there younger, cheaper players that are ready to take their spot? And that is very difficult for GMs who are not only trying to plan for the long-term viability of the team and making them win, but also in some markets more than others have a real gun to their head urgency to make things work now, because you might not have that opportunity in two or three years to see the fruits of all your great drafting come to uh, come to the lineup. Yeah. And that's, I think Winnipeg's there a hundred percent. Like I, I don't want to say wasting necessarily, but how many more years of Connor Hellebuck being, Dominic Hashik lights. Are we going to waste here? Well, you've got three, you got three to figure it out because, um, you know, nothing's guaranteed after the end of that six year deal. And right now there's three more seasons with one of the most elite goaltenders on the planet that gives you a chance to win every night. And I don't think you could possibly have much of a plan beyond that third year because of how yep. many of the other players are sort of, that's the window right now. Shifley yep. Ehlers, um, you know, Wheeler's got three years left on his deal, and he's, of course, you know, within that group. We can talk about the the value of that deal in the final year, but that's not the time to do it. Um, it's basically three years right now. And if you don't think that these guys can come in and have a real impact this year, I think you owe it to those players, to be honest with you, as well as the organization that's leading up to this, to give yourself the best chance to you know, take that big step forward. And who knows, maybe that does mean one of those guys get traded, um, even though the team is apparently up until now been loathed apart with one of those prospects. Yeah, but you just can't argue with at least what Vegas has done, right? 
where Vegas is like star player here, star player. We, we, we just want elite talent. And they're throwing everything away. And, and look where it's gotten them, right? Three conference finals appearances in four seasons. So I, I just think the time is now. And if it costs you somebody pretty impressive in your pipeline, then you just have to deal with it. Now, the other part of this equation, too, though, is, is one guy enough, right? Is one big-ticket defenseman enough to push this team into, I don't even want to say, like, Colorado territory, but maybe even just a level below that, I think, is, is somewhat reasonable. But, like, if you acquire Matthias Ekholm on his own, where does that push the Jets in terms of the power rankings in the NHL? Or are we talking a couple of significant moves on the blue line? And that, that's not even taken into account, you know, is the coaching staff the correct group to lead this team and is the forward group the right mix to have up front you know and then what it takes to win a stanley cup so uh, that's what i'm intrigued the most by not just necessarily who's going to be the target but is one enough is this going to be good enough to take down a colorado or i mean even a st louis if you go back into the central next year well and that's exactly where they're going i mean it ain't ain't getting any easier that's for sure brandon wiki's with us um we've got dave naylor coming up in just a couple minutes to fill us in on all the cfl stuff tory pines u.s open i know you're ready for it um this is going to be awesome uh, who's on the card? Who's on the Brandon Rewicki? Uh, like, if you're if you're making what if you're making a bet on one guy to win, who's the pick? And who are some of the other guys that might be filling out the odd uh, DraftKings lineup or pool as you get ready to uh, put your squad together? Well, I'll be. Uh, I can guarantee I'm wearing Sunday red and doing so in a bit of a somber mood because our boy Tiger. I mean, this would have been prime territory for Tiger to answer Phil, right? And fortunate that <laughs> it, it kind of set up. I mean, any major Tigers in the storylines are there, but how cool would that have been, right? To see, like, Tiger, can you answer what old man Phil did? Um, but I do have one guy. There's one guy I like this week. Not really a, an underdog or anything like that, but I'm going to put, I feel, you know, dangerously confident about him. But I love Colin Morikawa this week. He might, he might nice. be the best iron player on tour. One of the best at the very least. He can obviously handle the intensity and the pressure of a major. And I just think when you look at Tiger, who's been the most successful player at Torrey, uh, you know, in PGA history, that's what Tiger's bread and butter was at Torrey Pines, was elite iron play to help set him up and make decently short birdie putts. And I think, I think Colin Morikawa is going to follow that same formula this week. If Victor Hovland can chip, then I think Victor Hovland can make a nice run himself. I, w- I wish I could say Corey Connors, man, but you know, may- maybe next year if he gets the putting figured out, he could be a guy that you know finally cracks through for a major. But I, yeah, I just feel dangerously confident about Morikawa. So if you if you're a betting fan out there, you might as well sprinkle a little bit on an MC for Morikawa this week. Yeah, <laughs> I see that the kiss of death for these guys. Hey, he's 25 to one and he has, I mean, he's done everything right now. Yeah. I mean, and the only thing that he hasn't really done is win, you know, with big crowds, because of course he was doing his winning during the uh, kind of the beginning of the pandemic, but you're right. I mean, he's clearly one of the top players. Um, so, uh, well, it should be good. I'm just hoping, you know what we need? We need a final group on Sunday. Don't Brooks say it. And Bryson. Let's go. That, that, I, that, I'm that so sick of these clowns, man. I just, I, first off, you could not pick a pair of more unlikable people to center <laughs> the greatest rivalry in your sport around, yeah, right? You have to pick one. Yeah. It's like, really? it's like uh, Corey Perry. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of another guy that's as loathed as Corey Perry in the NHL. 
Um, but like Corey Perry and Matt Cook, for example, right? Yeah. Like you can't center your marketing strategy around two unlikable people. Plus, it's so disingenuous, this whole fake rivalry that they have. So I, I hope they get paired together in the first two days at the U.S. Open and then they both miss the cut. And we don't have to hear this crap anymore. <laughs> um, but there's just the, the one thing like I, I really don't like Bryson. I just he's just uh, there's just something about him that really, really bothers me. But I'll give Brooks credit that, you know, he doesn't try at all during tournaments, but the dude becomes the Terminator come major time. So you can't really bet against him, even if you don't like him. Like, he's probably oh, no. going to be in the conversation. I'm betting Sunday. on him, yeah. Brooks, my guy, <laughs> especially at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, Rue, great having you on the program. Let's do this again soon. Keep up the great work on skates and plates. And uh, I imagine you'll still be cranking out content, even though now the Jets are done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not stopping anytime soon. So we'll have plenty, you know, whether it's hockey or in the food scene here in Winnipeg. We got a we got a ton planned for you. So yeah, if you need any uh, if you need an extra tester for uh, yeah. any of your visits out to uh, any of these uh, delicious restaurants uh, available, open for you anytime. I'll, I'll set up a spread in the backyard here and we can meet up now. Finally, <laughs> I would love it. Thanks for doing this, man. Let's catch up soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me again. Great stuff. There's Brandon Wiki. Search skates and plates on your favorite podcast feed and uh, certainly get out some of the great content that Brandon is cranking out. Dave Naylor is going to join us in just a couple minutes. Want to give a big thanks to our friends at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray for their wonderful support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? They'll also help you consign your present vehicle right now if you're in a lease or have a vehicle that you're looking to move out of. Do it now, not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, or check them out online at not.ca. Also, a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing. I know some of you maybe dipped into the jugs on the weekend. I certainly did. And with Father's Day coming up this weekend, they've got a great basket to help dad kick off his summer. It includes the Little Brown Jug Good Times Variety Pack, the Little Brown Jug Red Camping Mug, a couple of Little Brown Jug Koozies, some never better special blend coffee, Joe Beef Barbecue Sauce, the Meat Company Sweet and Spicy Barbecue Beef Jerky, and the Angel Share Hoppin' Hives Cocktail Mix, which turns the Belgian IPA into a delicious Rattler. Check it out on the website. It's easier than ever to order Little Brown uh, Jug Brews for home delivery, as well as the Father's Day Basket. And by the way, right now, if you're looking for a great deal, the Black Lager is on special for $3.36. You can find it at Liquor Mart Select Beer Stores and as well through the website. Thanks again to Little Brown Jug and a big shout out to Breezy Bend Country Club. It's always a big week on the station when we've got um, a major. We'll be doing plenty of golf reports for Breezy as we get going throughout the week. It was great to talk uh, to um, Brandon about it and Mark Zucchino is going to join us some uh, and my God, just a quick shout out to Craig and the staff at Breezy. The course could look, not look any better. If you're thinking about a great home for your golf and family next year, find out more at breezybend.ca and get on that waiting list. All right. Really, really appreciative of our next guest making some time for us today. Huge news for the Canadian Football League. We have been waiting with bated breath here in the prairies and across the country as to whether we would have a 2021 CFL season. And uh, it sounds like it's some pretty good news for CFL fans. 
All right, folks. Unfortunately, with a recent update of our software, uh, the Gremlins got in and stole the Dave Naylor audio from the interview. I can tell you, uh, Dave sounded great. He had a lot of great insight on the excitement of the Canadian Football League going forward. The key tidbits being that it was a unanimous vote today. Um, and moving forward, we will have a CFL season on the 5th of August. Now, there's still a, a great bit of unknown as to what is beyond this season, working with the XFL, what happens to that. But the bottom line today is that we're going ahead with the CFL season. All nine teams voted for it. Randy Ambrosi, the CFLPA, everything had been taken care of. It was just on the shoulders of ownership today, and all nine teams have agreed to go forward. Um, we really do apologize that we don't have the Dave Naylor audio for you today. We'll make a point of getting Dave back on the air very soon with us and continue to get ready for the CFL season. But as disappointed as we are that the audio is not here, the good thing is the CFL season is happening and we'll have much more to come in the future episodes of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily as we get closer to the 5th of August. So thank you to Dave Naylor. Apologize to you, the listener, and uh, we'll continue now with the rest of the program. Uh, bottom line, it's good news for the CFL. Still lots of questions about where the league goes from here after this season. But right now, it's about playing football on the 5th of August and the Bombers trying to run it back and uh, win another Grey Cup. Uh, we want to thank Boston Pizza for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. Right now, we're inching closer to being able to gather together for a schooner in the BP lounges, as well as just simply being able to eat in on a patio but for the time being, we can support Boston Pizza and all of our local restaurants by ordering takeout, ordering delivery. And if you do order, they've got some great deals, including the game day meal with the two large specialty pizzas and the 24-pack of wings or the pizza flights, which we've talked about a few times on the program, the three 16 specialty pizzas, three dips, amazing deal. You can get those right now online at bostonpizza.com. Order from your local Boston Pizza. And as I said, as soon as we're able to, we'll be watching a game and getting the Winnipeg Sports Talk gang together at our favorite Boston Pizza Lounge. Um, Aikens Lake, fingers crossed, they'll be back at it very soon, opening up to new customers, as well as many Manitobans taking advantage of the fact that they're not completely packed with Americans because of the border. Find out more about Aikens Lake in a world-class fly-in fishing lodge where you can get on the water in less than two hours from Winnipeg at AkinsLake.com or online or, or on Twitter at AkinsLake. Fire him a message. Pitt Turan, our good friend, will be more than happy uh, to get you hooked up. And of course, Assiniboia Downs. We are back for another week of live racing. 6.45 today. It's AS Downs Live. If you want to get some tips on what's happening at the track before you make your selections. And then if you haven't already, Get an account at hpibet.com. You can bet on all the races from the Assiniboia Downs. You can watch the races live as well as bet on races from around the world. Big thanks to Assiniboia Downs for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Now, we will get to the cool bet lines in just a couple minutes, and we will also get to our daily picks for the track. Remo, listen, let me get to the cool bet lines, and then we'll uh, discuss what we're going to do for the track tonight. Of course. I got my picks in. Beautiful. I've got mine ready, too. Um, tonight, we have one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You can check out all the lines at coolbet.com. Habs plus 203 underdogs in game number one. 
Vegas minus 233. And you know what's quite interesting? Oh my God, Vegas is now a minus 500 favorite to win this series. If anyone thinks that the Habs can keep this magical run going, you're going to be getting plus 360. If you bet a hundred bucks on the Habs to win and they win, it would pay you back 460 bucks. So uh pretty juicy number on the Habs if you think they can win. I don't think they're winning the series. I do think they've got a chance to win this game tonight. I would not at all be surprised if Vegas maybe wasn't quite at the level they were at against Colorado after a little bit of a break and a big series win. Um, so yeah, Montreal tonight plus 203 over under is five and a half with plus 118 on the over tomorrow's game. We'll talk about tomorrow, but Islanders plus 160 underdogs, Tampa Bay minus 189 to get things going. Uh, tonight, we've got some NBA action. Sixers minus three favorites at the Hawks and the Clippers five point favorites at home to even up their series against the Utah Jazz. And of course, the Euro is on right now, keeping a close eye on this Spain-Sweden game, which is scoreless as we do it. Tomorrow, we've got a couple of great games, Hungary and Portugal. And then the one of the biggest games of the group round, and it's amazing that these teams are even in the same group, but France and Germany, game number one for the tournament for those teams, two Titans, France plus 168, draw plus 215, and Germany plus 194. Uh, again, all of the lines there available for you at coolbet.com. And uh, we'll post out a tweet a little later on with a link for a 100% bonus on your first deposit if you would like to do that. Uh, Reem, what do you think about Habs tonight? Uh, do you give them much of a shot at uh, more than two to one? Uh, I think so, because uh, everyone's been counting them out this whole time, right? Yeah. So... I think that's just I think that's just like extreme odds where you know maybe there is some val on that and sure like I would go go with the Habs let's see what they got and then you can reevaluate because we really have no no yeah. idea I mean they've had this layoff we'll see when when the line was originally posted they were about plus one eighty or plus one eighty five for the game and then it shot to plus two twenty or so and now not surprisingly it's come back a little bit but still it's going to finish in all likelihood over two to one. Uh, thanks again to CoolBet, and um, I'll be doing, by the way, a special CoolBet U.S. Open show on their platforms on Wednesday morning, and we'll do an expanded lock shop tomorrow. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to the Lock Shop podcast, make sure you do that. It's myself and Dustin Nielsen in Edmonton, and uh, we're doing a big show today. We won't have our normal Friday show this week because D- Dusty's away. So we're going to really get into it. We'll do the partner parlay tomorrow, and actually, our weekend partner parlay is still alive. I had Belgium in it. Uh, Chris had, was it the Islanders? I'm not sure where. Anyways, we need Vegas in uh, regulation tonight. That's Dusty's pick to get it done. So, oh yeah, I had the Clippers. That's right. We had Belgium and the Clippers, and now we need Vegas for tonight. So um, be looking forward to that. Hopefully get a winner and then get right back at it tomorrow. All right, Remus, let me just get to my, uh, my handicapping list here. Because I'm ready for some picks for tonight. Now, you, of course, are the leader in the duel for the downs. So um, I will allow you, I will ask you to make your selections first before I drop some amazing winners for Monday's live racing card at Assiniboia Downs. 
What's the strategy? I am so today? fired. Just a couple bets. I know you were fired up. You're you're upset on Wednesday that that was the last day of live racing. We had to wait till Monday. I know there's no more hockey every night. We got racing. I am I, baseball is good. I want to bring up uh, my picks real quick so I remember who I had. Um, this is HPI bet. It's pretty easy. You go pick your race. So let's go race three at eight thirty five p.m. I have a Quinella with horse one, Buttercup up. And horse three by all. And so they have to finish one and two every, any order. That is a $5 Quinella. Although I think one of them is a big favorite by all. So I'm not expecting a big payout here. But we will see. Um, this one, race four, 9.05 p.m. I have to place um, horse five. Hoochie, Coochie, Sam. Uh, what a horse name. I have him to place. And race six at 10. What is it? 10.05. This is a long shot horse, Huss. Uh, two win. Horse one, Imperial North. Uh, horse one. He's making his debut. This is like picking, uh, you know, who's the uh, coming in as a hot rookie. And making a, a big impression. So and that we'll is see. a long shot. What are you putting on that one? Five. five. Wow. Okay. That, if that comes in, that'll be a monster. That will be a monster because the early line on that one is uh, near the bottom. All right. So those are your picks? Or do you have any more? No, that's it. I got a, a $5 Quinella, a $5 to win, and a $10 place. All right. Okay. I'm Watch out. Up. Watch out. Imperial North. It's all riding on that. Okay. Here we go. Um, Okay, I've made the first bet I made is the pick three, which is the winner of horse of race two, three, and four. And I'm going with a one, one, one. And I'm putting a dollar on it. So a one dollar. What? You can, you can do the pick three is a wager yeah. where you have to pick the winner of races two, three, and four. And you can do it okay. as a 20 cent bet if you want, like if you're kind of putting a whole bunch in. I'm just putting a dollar and I'm not boxing anything. I'm just picking horse one to win race two, three, and four. One, one, one. So we'll see how that works out. That's one of those little bit of a long shot. So one of those horses I'm putting on a Quinella for race number two. I'm taking a one for Quinella. That is Del Vecchio and Wits Dollar Knight. And mm -hmm. then in race number four, I'm going to put on my win, my uh, number one, which is Real Grace, along with Gold Buyer. So one four in race two, one three in race four, both $5 Quinellas. So that's 11 bucks. Then I'm going to race five, and we're dropping the Triactor box, the $1 Triactor box. So it's a $6 bet. Horse one, Hilda, two, Tis the Standard, and six, Know What I Mean. Any order of those three in the top three would win for me. That would be great. Need a triactor. And then the final bet, and I'll be going up against you in that race six. You're going with a bit of a long shot there in Imperial North. I'm going with a mid-range X-He Kid. Opening eight to one, number six, a $3 bet. That's what we're putting in together. So we're definitely getting a little more exotic with some of these selections now, Reem. Mm -hmm. Not diving into just uh, a straight 20 bucks on X horse to win, although um, we'll see. Uh, but I figured <laughs> now, now <laughs> with, with, without everything going on, 
we've got some time, but may as well sprinkle throughout the card and uh, see what we can get going. And as I said, I do have some ground to make up, so I am going to maybe be leaning more on the odd win three, pick three, or triactor because uh, I'm a little desperate to make up some ground on you after that hot start. I'm going to be looking to throw a 20 on one horse at some point. I'm waiting to pull the trigger. I was almost going to do it today, uh, but I just did five on that Imperial North. I was ready to throw down. Uh, He's making his debut, so watch out for him. I'll be tuning in. Uh, What time is that race? Because it's on YouTube, so like you got the baseball on, you have the hockey on. It's like, oh, uh, race number six, 10.05. That might be like in the third period of the Vegas-Montreal game, so I can put it on my phone while watching. So we will we'll see. Rob Noakes says in chat, by the way, people are commenting, horse or race horse one cursed at a Sunboy down so far start. So your bet there, I don't know. Well, we will see. We will see. I'm uh, I'm rolling with the ones in the win three for two, three at race two, three and four. Um, we've got a big Jays game tonight too, Reem. Six ten, Alec Manoa on the hill. Jays trying to win three of four, and um, that was an absolute mash clinic yesterday. Homer after home. What was it? Eight yesterday for the Jays at Fenway, putting up eighteen. I mean, just an absolutely wild weekend for the Jays, where the bats keep going and. Vladdy Jr., um, without a doubt, the first half-season MVP right now. Uh, man, if they could get Springer back and a couple more uh, you know, arms, this looks like a team that you know is not challenging in the future but might be a significant player this season. Yeah, we'll see what they do at the trade deadline. Will they look to uh, add some more to the bullpen? Uh, the bats are looking pretty good. I'm just looking at the box score yesterday. The list of home runs, uh, it's like longer than the lineup card. Uh, Rowdy Telez, Kevin Biggio, Guerrero, Bo, Bo is that Bo Bichette, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, to Simeon Guriel. That's what happens when you put up what eighteen runs on Boston. <laughs> Holy crap! So yeah, Vlada Guerrero Jr. Uh, I saw it was Scott Mitchell of TSN was putting his MVP odds. Um, with Scotty Mitch TSN right now it's like two to one or something. And before you could have got him at like 20. Let me just put, put a, pull that up real quick. But as you said, he's Lee what, leading the all-star votes. Um, oh, here it was 25 to one on March two, March 24, 20 to one, May two, nine to one, May 10, 15 to one, May 15, 10 to one, May 31, three to one, June eight plus one fifty. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh no, I don't know how much Val there is uh, right now, but heavy favorite for the uh, MVP. But split. Uh, well, T. Conapoli, trade Springer for a stud closer and middle relief guy now. They just saw he was their biggest free agent offseason signing. I don't think they're going to trade him after playing, like, what, a game. Um, and to be honest, moving a contract like that is very difficult. They'll get some help. They, like They'll be able to get that help without trading a guy like George Springer. And when he comes back in, adding to this lineup, they're going to be even more deadly. Rob Mahoney, Huss's humble brag about him doing double backflips into the river was the show highlight. There were no teenagers. <laughs> I, wish I, I, I wish I could say that it would, you know, that was just me sort of um, you know saying it was somebody else, but really doing it myself. But I don't know. I am tempted to jump in there now that I have seen people do it over and over again. No. I guess I am close enough. I could just come up and immediately shower right afterwards. But yeah, no. I don't know. I mean, don't. 
the amount of no. stuff I saw in that river on the weekend ranging from we found a message in a bottle. Uh, there was a couple chairs. There was um, a used prophylactic, uh, catfish. Um, yeah, there was a, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, uh, the catfish. <laughs> Or what I said before. The- <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to pull up Google for that one. <laughs> As I say, you talk about backflips. Uh, I bet you Sean Reynolds could probably do a couple backflips into the river if you got him. We posted you know what? Maybe the- we'll do special guests. We'll get Rennie down there, show him the kid, the the, ro- the jump rope or the swing rope that we made, and maybe Rennie could do that. I Listen, I've seen his trampoline game is strong. There's uh, absolutely no doubt about it. Um, well, hey, well- one other thing. Sorry, go ahead, Rennie. I was going to say, one thing we haven't done is the first live on location broadcast. So your phone's got LTE. You could go down by that rope swing and uh, do a live YouTube of uh, those kids jumping in the river. Uh, we could. We could. I actually have a video, which is amazing. We just couldn't believe well, that they se- were doing it yesterday. Send I, I it over. I, we'll play it. I, well, the thing is, I didn't want to put it out on social media on the weekend because like, I didn't want to narc these kids out because by the time that their girlfriends or whatever had come by, it was more than five people. They were spread out. I mean, but anyways, I just like like with everything, oh. like with everything right now, you just don't want to get involved. But it was amazing watching them. Shout out to them. I'll uh, I'll, I'll give you some updates throughout the week if they're back, because as we know, there's not much else going on right now. Speaking of back, man, you know, I, I, we didn't talk too much about the Euro. I will tell you, folks, that even if you're not big soccer people, check out the highlights from the game this morning. Uh, Remo, I told you to check out that guy. Patrick Stick, I believe is his name is, a uh, Czech player, scored a goal stepped I mean he was like one or two steps over midfield and noticed that the goalie was sort of caught out of position and hit an absolutely perfect shot into the corner around the netminder um very rarely will you see anything that wild so uh certainly good this Spain Sweden game should be excellent if you're with us live right now you'll be able to catch the second half of that game um but Remo man like it was one of the biggest stories in all of sports on the weekend Denmark going up against Finland in their first game of the Euro and an absolutely horrifying sight with Danish star Christian Eriksen falling down and having a heart attack on the field. And what was so crazy about this, in addition to it, that it was, you know, in the middle of the game on the field was that the Danish players fearing that, you know, their good friend and teammate was literally dying on the field, surrounded him as the uh, medics and doctors brought out the defibrillator and tried to bring him back to life. And thank God they did. Um, they said it really just took one defib whack and uh, they got him back to life. Uh, but he was essentially dead on the field. And, you know, what was so scary about that, obviously, first and foremost, the health of the, of the player, but, you know, they got him back, they stopped the game and then actually ended up going back out and playing it. They had the opportunity to do it then after a break or to do it the next morning. I'm not sure how that decision was, was um, how they came to that decision. Can't tell you that many of the Danes afterwards said they probably should not have been playing. And what it ended up doing was giving Finland who, you know, I think the Finns were quite shaken about it as well, but they took advantage of it, scored a goal, uh, no celebration, credit to them. Everyone was thinking about Ericsson at the time. Um, but it ended up being a massive upset. Finland, about 10 to 1. I was telling you earlier today, talking to Chris Abbott from Coolbet on the weekend, he had mentioned that Finland by far was their highest liability for the tournament because they're so big in Finland and they're a huge underdog. And a lot of people just wanted to have some fun putting a little bet on their team to win the whole thing. Well, no one thought that they were going to win that game. They were about a 10 to 1 underdog. They won. 
and Remo, that cost our friends at CoolBet, who were very, um, very transparent about wins and losses, uh, about a $200,000 haircut because of the uh, massive underdog that Finland was winning the game. But, of course, the big story about all that was Christian Eriksson and the health of him going forward. Just an absolutely horrifically scary situation. It's actually um, crazy that they kept playing after that. Um I know that it's a business that you want to. Well, they went back. There was there was a long break. I mean, yeah. they went back to the dressing room. They figured that out. He apparently talked to them from the hospital or something like that. So they had an idea that he was okay. But that's sort of a decision. I mean, I don't know whether you even want to put it into the hands of players. I mean, in retrospect, looking back, certainly from a Danish side that ended up losing game, they probably needed to win. Um, but, you know, their first and foremost concern is of their teammate. And going afterwards, they I don't think they were in the right state of mind. Would things have been different the mm-hmm. next morning? Probably. Uh, but again, it's just sort of, I mean, there's not a lot of a book on what happens when a player has a heart attack in the middle of the game and, you know, you get them off. I, th- I think the playbook is you cancel the game. Didn't that happen with um, Jay Bomeister where something happened to him? Yeah. And then they just said, you know what, we're not, we're not playing. I remember all the players were pretty shooken up. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm remembering I'm Yuri Fisher as well. I forget what happened, but he um, had an issue. And now I'm only familiar with hockey, soccer. Maybe they do things well, differently. Well, Fisher, it's funny you bring up Fisher because I think when that happened with Fisher, it was mandated that, you know, they needed to yes. get uh, the defibrillators weren't readily available like they, well, like they are now. And that was a big part of, of getting him, um, you know, saving his life. Uh, but then realizing that, you know, we better have these on hand if this happens again going forward. Um, so all in all, great stuff. I'm going to check out the second half of this Spain-Sweden game. Watch this game tonight, Habs-Vegas. Uh, and Remo, the big story, the big takeaway from today, we can stop talking about if there will be a CFL season and start counting down the days to kick off for the defending Grey Cup champions and the rest of the CFL beginning on the 5th of August for 14 games. Cannot wait. Yeah, I'm so pumped. Uh, we're going to do a lot of previews. I can't wait to start talking about my DraftKings lineups, betting lines, uh, the Bombers defending the Grey Cup, Grey Cup celebrations. Uh, this is going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's um, that's just great news. Uh, great news today. and. And again, I know for everyone who stuck around, I just want to say uh, thank you for doing it. I saw we had a tweet of someone who said, he's done with us. Uh, God awful <laughs> production. So, Blocked. You know, our run Blocked. of, we're, we're run of, uh, this is show 71. We had 70 um, straight shows of minimal hiccups, but one major one. Our production has turned into being god awful. And if you hey, if you hate watching a live where we're gonna have screw ups, you can always listen to the podcast where I edit them out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those of you with us, the hardcores with us on YouTube, we do appreciate yeah. it. And yeah, no idea what that happened. We'll figure it out. We'll have it for you. I, I'm um, look, I figured it out. I, it, yeah, sorry, it'll oh. be available. Oh, we have figured it out. Well, uh, I have to. I have to like update my computer and do all these updates okay, and i think so it'll just be think resolved. It's related to the update excellent well uh, I, it's yeah there's a new version so there's a new version of the program that i used to stream i did an update i think this was a known issue there's a new version that i didn't update before the show because i'm nervous about updating but uh after this tonight i will go restart everything 
and maybe uh, and it's, maybe it's that fun. one soul will give us another chance. If not, well, well I'll I'll, I'll, I'll we'll DM live. Kevin. We'll live. We'll live. I'll, um, I'll send him a message. <laughs> I actually, I actually do have another announcement that um people are asking a lot about buying Wordenbeck Sports Talk merchandise. We yes. are putting the store together. It's not live yet, but um, if you go to store.winnipegsportstalk.com or go to our website, winnipegsportstalk.com, click on the link for store, that's where it's going to be. You can put in your email and get notified when stuff happens. So uh, the wheels are in motion. Uh, and um, so there it is right there. So thank yeah, you everyone for your some patience. Sample, we've got some samples coming. We have them. We'll show them off to you uh, so you kind of can see them before... Uh, before doing it so yeah very shortly in this week hopefully uh that'll be a go and we'll look forward to doing all of that all right well listen thanks to dave naylor thanks to rewiki for coming on tomorrow we'll um continue wrapping the jet season talking stanley cup playoffs and looking ahead to the cfl season kevin olchevsky will join us and a big u.s open preview with the z-man himself mark zucchino tomorrow we'll have our cas downs picks we'll get the lines for with cool bet and much more and uh, more reaction to the great news that the CFL is going ahead and we'll have kickoff on the 5th of August. Remote, great stuff today. Thanks to everyone in the chat with us live on YouTube and everyone listening on the podcast. Tell your friends, subscribe, rate and review if you're listening on the pod. And big thanks to all of our sponsors. Not Autocorp, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Policy Me, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy this glorious weather. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.